Morning. And welcome to Contextualize. We're here. Two weeks away? I mean, two weeks ago, last time we did it? It may have been three. Yeah. Well, the construction vehicles are driving again, so we <laughs> thought we should give it a try. They're perpetual, perpetually. They are totally so. perpetual. Almost done on the sidewalk, for those of you that care. They're going to put 24-inch piping very soon down that Ernest Street sidewalk, and then we've been told that that may be the terminus of their having to stage right there, but we will find out soon. So... That'd be nice. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Well, hey, I wanted to start out our time together and ask you a few questions about what it was like to do the substance abuse equipped seminar on Friday night. I've watched it. I will continue to encourage congregation members to watch it and share it. Um, I thought it was super compelling. Um, As you look back at that Friday night, any highlights? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I think just overall... um, it was a very enjoyable and seems very fruitful um, evening just from, you know, hearing little comments that night as well as even this morning I woke up to a text um, from someone who had listened to it yesterday. I had another text from somebody. So there's just, so that's an encouraging. Um, I'll say for me, um, you know, I had heard, I'll give two highlights. I had heard most of what was going to be shared because I've been working with Dustin and Bill on it. Um, but two things that really stood out, well, I'll say three, sorry. One was Bill's lengthy but jam-packed full definition of addiction, uh, which I can't Bill's recall right now. Bill's not in right the room now, to defend himself. But, but man, <laughs> it, like, it was just jam-packed, and he had so much in there that nuanced it so well. So that was helpful. Um, secondly, I thought Dustin's comment, which was so succinct about how addiction drives you to do the very opposite of the two great commandments. Yes. You're not loving God. You're not loving others. Um, that was just so pointed and helpful and, and easy to see that in the lives of addicts, um, whether that be substance or otherwise. And then, um, oh yeah, the, the third thing, uh, the thing, and this was what I didn't, I had not heard this stuff before was the testimonies. Um, you know, I think for all five individuals who shared, I knew portions of their story. I'd never just heard them just sit down and share it though. And so to hear all five of them, um, what it's looked like in their life, how God intervened in that, what community was like, um, and and even just the repetitive themes about hiding or shame or not wanting to talk about these things. Um, I I thought the hearing those, those stories was a real blessing. An encouragement. Yes, I would agree. We so, listened to it on the way home. I just checked uh, YouTube. So for us, it was done on Friday night. There's been about 113 views as of this morning. Which is like blown it out of yeah, the water for just, us and our YouTube. Yeah, I tell you, we're not we're not in it for likes or for number of followers, but um, we are in it for seeking to have a biblical philosophy of ministry on display inside of a context of relationship. And so one of the things I said in my Personal posts as well as congregational email as I believe that the evening did embody our church's philosophy of ministry. Not in the sense that we chose to do a class for people who might be afflicted by or affected by substance abuse, but Mm -hmm. something much greater than that. We actually, I think we modeled a dialogical, biblically grounded, um, we framed a conversation that was important for everyone. Yeah. And so I guess that would be another question I would just ask you. Does that make sense? I mean, maybe you can explain it differently than I would. Do you felt? Do you feel like that evening was about a niche kind of cornered trial 
that affects some and it was more like a class or did it feel like something for the yeah. broader church at large that was more important than maybe even the topic? Yeah. Um, well, I have a thought whether this is what you're thinking or not, so I'll share. Um, I think it. I think it was both particular and broad. And I think particular, obviously, in the realm of addiction for those who are addicted, have been addicted, know somebody who's been addicted, right? Like that, that, that was obviously very pointed in that. And even as we talked about addiction, most of it's centered on drug and alcohol, right? Substance abuse addiction. Right. We didn't mention, so we, we mentioned some of the things, but didn't or anything like dive that. into I didn't them. mention them, yeah. And so, right, I think for, for those who've been affected by that, I, th- I think that that is very pointed and helpful in that particular regard. Right. Now, I say that with the knowledge that I think most people, either themselves or they know somebody pretty close to them who's been pretty affected by drug and alcohol addiction. Like, it, it's a it's a prevalent thing. And so I think that particularity about it, um, I, I pray and hope is helpful um, because of the prevalence of that issue. Now, beyond that, I think the, br- the broad appeal of it is that in another way, all we are talking about is sin. <laughs> like, you know, and even just thinking of uh, Bill's uh, three words about addiction is idolatry, addiction is slavery, addiction um, is coveting, or it's about our desires. Like, like that's what sin is, you know? And, and, it, and as we were talking kind of in the background of that, I, I'd said at one point, addiction is just sin all grown up. And I, I think, I guess that's helpful. I think that even there's something Dustin said at the end I think I asked him something to the effect of what what are the what does an addict need from the gospel or from the from scripture? He basically said they need what every person needs, and so I think just that reality that addiction is particular in one way, but in another way, we all can understand it because yeah. we all sin, and we all sin in ways that we wish we weren't, and we all sin in things that we wish we had stopped long ago. So, like, yeah. there's a lot of carryover in that. Yeah, when you have themes of oppression. And contra- contradicted by the promised freedom in the gospel. Uh, yeah. It was a beautiful evening of discussion. Uh, I thought the testimonies that were given were, were transparent. They were prepared. They were succinct. And they had overlap. Um, the three older ones of us in our family that were listening to it, as we drove home from our trip, there were tears. Yeah. Tears of joy and thanksgiving. Um, again, to hear one of the brothers on the on the call say, "I am a Christian who is in recovery from alcoholism," is very different than someone saying, "I am an alcoholic yeah. who's also a Christian," right. or someone who's you know, "I am a homosexual Christian." Yeah, yeah. Someone says, "I am a Christian," right. and this has inflicted me same sex desires or coveting desires or alcoholism. So what I felt, I took away from the entire sort of in sum, was this is the kind of community that I pray God would allow my children to be a part of when they are adults. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of Christian community where we're not just asking people to sign up for a class who might have a struggle, but we're saying, no, this is how the Bible speaks germanely to every issue under the sun. This is how it needs to be done without shame and in community. This is how it needs to be modeled so that people who are afraid, I could never come out and share my story because I right. wouldn't be received. No, look at that. Right. I just saw some people say that they did share. Right. And, yeah. um, and then the other thing that's important to me is the brothers and sisters that were on that 
you know, gave testimonies, did not say, I have conquered it by my own strength. Yeah. There was a very strong dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit, the work mm-hmm. of his word among his mm-hmm. people, and a continued recovery effort, a continued reformation effort. But there was still a very visible testimony of the power of God to conquer the the effect yeah. of sin, right. to set people free. And that, that's my prayer, is that times of refreshing and freedom and growth will happen far beyond the folks that were in that room that night, but that we will have a church philosophy of ministry, an ethos about us where there are people walking in victory mm-hmm. who are still dependent on the victory of Jesus over sin, yeah. who are doing so not isolated, not alone, and not with any pride whatsoever. Right. And so just want to invite you to listen to it. For those of you that might listen to this right now who were involved, I want to say thank you. Your transparency and your biblical fidelity was incredibly encouraging. Um, one more question, and we'll move into this. Yes. People tell you, I know they have, because I've told you, and I've heard others say it, you're a very gifted facilitator. You're a gifted question asker guy. Yeah. How many questions did you not get to ask because you were continually <laughs> adapting? Because I thought you did a masterful yeah. job. Is it fun for you to do that? And did you... Did you leave a lot of things on the sure. table that you wish you could have asked? Just yeah. curious. Uh, man, that's an interesting question. Um, and that's a that's a good question, Jim. Uh, it's also an analysis <laughs> while asking a question. <laughs> um, in, I guess, last week or a week and a half ago, um, after talking with Jim, or with, uh, sorry, with Bill and Dustin, I had like two pages, I think, of, of notes and questions and kind of had it arranged and whatnot. And after talking with them and just looking through it, it was like, there's there's no way on earth that we're getting through all these questions. So last week I did a lot of work to just trim the fat on that. And so I came in with, with more like one page, page and a half um, of questions. And we actually get, we got to cover most of them, um, I mean, most not being 80%, but more like 60% probably. Uh, so there were several questions that we just didn't have time for um, or that were kind of touched on. And so we didn't need to, you know, ask it so directly. Um, and then there were some questions that were not on the notes, but, you know, just in how Dustin said something or how Bill said something, it was like, it felt like this question needs to be asked in that moment. So there was, there was that flexibility. So I enjoy it. Yes. Um, but, there, there's also this sense, um, and I was talking with Dustin afterwards, and we were just talking, how, you know, how the evening go. And it's like, I have no idea. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to them, trying to think about the audience, trying to think about my questions. It's, you know, it, it's, you a, did a it's a multi-angled yes, spot, good. but I appreciate the compliment. Well, praise God for it. Um, our church philosophy of ministry is the same as this podcast. I mean, or I say it the other way around. The podcast derives from that, but it is that we really believe we're called to expose God's people to God's Word in its context, to see Jesus, and then to have the power of Christ and His work be applied into our context, right? So contextualize. Yeah. What was happening that evening was a contextualized discussion. Yeah. It was uh, corporate in a small way, just like we would do preaching in a larger corporate setting. Right. We're doing this in a personal setting, but it is our prayer that people will be able to employ personal ministry that we're to talk about things associated with slavery with covetousness you know um and to talk about the power of the gospel from the word so we'll jump into the word now but it was just a very big blessing to listen to it and i hope god continues to use it and if you haven't listened to it do it 
Um, if you haven't listened to it uh, or shared it yet, share it with someone else. And just know that we're seeking to set up a biblical counseling model of ministry in tandem with our Sunday word work and our approach that we have to preaching and teaching so that the Lord would enable us to facilitate those he's going to draw in who need to talk about these issues and see Jesus in the gospel through them. And yeah. so that's our invitation. We want you to please do that. And, and let me just add one thing. We, we finished the night with um, a paper um, response form for folks um, just to give feedback, but also if anybody wanted to talk through things more, if it provoked any thoughts or desires to talk more. Um, and that's what we, we felt that that was um, appropriate to and almost necessary by the topic that we were addressing. And so I'll just say, as, as you listen to it online or, or watch it online, um, reach out to, to Bill or, or Dustin or myself, or even uh, any of the people who share testimony. I mean, reach out. If, if you just want to talk more, hear more, if there's questions, if there are addictive things in yourself or someone you love that you want to talk about, like, we hope that this provokes further conversation. So take advantage of that. And if you're a total stranger and you don't know who Dustin or Bill or AJ or Jim (laughs) are, it's nice to meet you. But just through our website, you email, reach out to the church. We will will want to engage and be accessible. Absolutely. Well, we're in uh, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. Maybe we can try to keep this to 10 minutes or so. It never happens when we try, but we'll try for the sake of everybody else's ears. Um, so this is the back half of a chapter in which the Apostle Paul has talked, I think, about his philosophy of ministry. He's talked about strength and weakness, that the power of God, the power of Christ, is made perfect in his weakness. And he, he will boast gladly of his weakness that he might know the power of Christ resting upon him. And so uh, if we then, I'll ask you a question to help us, you know, mm-hmm. AJ, with it. if we then kind of watch where the text goes, where does Paul transition in verse 11 of Second Corinthians 12? Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's funny because he's been, I mean, throughout the letter at different points, he's been defending himself or upholding his apostleship and his ministry to them because there are some there who would attack that and, and say that Paul's not worthy of that. And so, right, he, after speaking about his credentials, you know, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, he, he says, I've been a fool, <laughs> but you forced me into this position where I've had to speak this way. Um, and so he's defending himself, but he, he's doing it as a fool in some ways. Uh, but then he goes on and says he's not inferior to the super apostles. Um, so there's these other super apostles who are making these claims. Paul saying, I'm not less than them uh, because of what God has done and the ministry God has given me. But then he says at the end of verse 11, though I am nothing. Yeah. It's just such a, um, there's so much tension in what he's saying there. I just think his humility is beautiful. Uh, I'm going to tell you that I have been used by God to perform the signs of a true apostle. That's in verse 12. Right. But I'm nothing. Yeah. I'm nothing. And this last week when I was on study leave, I was with 12,000 pastors. And to walk around this hall and just sense there are brothers in hard ministry places. There are brothers in huge contexts of mega churches. There's brothers who are just... just just scraping by right now and just mm-hmm. asking for God's helpfulness to be faithful. But I tell you, there's something glorious about ministers of the gospel who say, you know, the Lord has chosen to use me where he's placed me, but I am nothing. Yeah. I am yeah. nothing. And I think it's neat to see that countenance of the apostle Paul, although he is also willing to say these signs of an apostle you've seen through me. Right. I have been yeah. a part of miracles yeah. and signs and wonders. Um, Fantastic. Well, and, and so one of the things that makes me think of is that 
you know, I think it's easy for us to, well, it's easy for us to not like humility, obviously. But then even when we understand and, and gravitate towards humility, I think it's easy for us to get it wrong. <laughs> uh, and I say that myself. Um, but I think what Paul does here is there's, there's an incredible humility in what he's saying. But he's also not sheepish. No. Like no, he's, no, no. he's very yeah. bold. He's not backing down, but he's humble about it at the same time. It's just, it's an interesting yeah. combination for him in that role of leadership. Well, and I think we can summarize a lot of these verses. I'm not sure everybody's reading along with us, but just to kind of get the, the sense, the ethos of this section is he's, he's going to acknowledge that he's, he's proud of his tent making. Yep. Yeah. He, he said, I didn't, I don't want to burden you. I don't want what is yours, but I wanted you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that word burden is at least three times here. Yeah. So, yeah. And so he says for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And he's basically saying, <laughs> I'm a father in the faith to you uh-huh. and I will spend what I have on you. And there's a yeah. verse that stands out to me right now strongly as a minister. I, he yeah. says, verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for, for your, your souls. souls. That needs That's... to just be hung up over yeah. every pastor's office. Yeah. I will gladly spend myself and be spent uh-huh. for your souls. And again, he's doing it to defend himself, but he's not being sheepish to say, right. I've given my my everything. Yeah. Um, again, when I was at T4G, I heard one of the preachers preach and he just made a comment. He said, "I, you know why I know you all love your flock? And of course, all we're, we were listening and I'm thinking, I don't love Christ in the way I should. I don't always sacrifice as much as I could. I get maybe aggravated at times instead of trying to be as understanding as I ought to be. But what he said next was the reason I know is if you are preaching Christ from the Bible to the people God has put in front of you, you mm. are doing what is most loving for them. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Your emotions need to wrap around that. Right. Your right. sacrificial lifestyle needs to wrap around it. Mm-hmm. But the act of love to present Christ from his word. And that's essentially, I think, what Paul is saying. I, yeah. I've spent myself yeah. and I'll gladly spend all the more of myself uh-huh. to give you what I've told you is central. Yeah. And yeah. it's just Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that connects back to several weeks ago. Um, or was it chapter 10, I think, where he talked about um, God assigning an area of influence. Right. And if, for Paul... I mean, he sees the Corinthian church as part of his area of influence. And so he has ministered to them. He's poured himself out to them because that's what God has called him to, not simply because they've been a great church who's reciprocated perfectly. That's right. right. (laughs) You know, um, and it it reminds me in Philippians, he says something similar. Um, Philippians 2.17, he says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. And so... Uh, so Colossians, he talks about toiling, right? Like yes. Paul is giving himself in ministry for their benefit. He actually says, "I have the I have similar pains to the pains of childbearing." Yeah, that's what he feels. As a minute, I can't remember which letter that's in. Yeah. So, just for him to say, I've, "I I will gladly spend more," and I have already spent what I have for your soul. Then I look down in verse nineteen, and I think he's conveying what he would do to spend himself. Mm-hmm. He says, "It's in the sight of God we have been speaking in Christ, and yeah. all for your upbuilding." Yeah, and he calls him his beloved. Yeah. So again, we Paul is not saying I spent myself to build a ministry that celebrates me, or I spent myself to craft some form of a social construct uh, that is going to have this momentum and the mm-hmm. wheels will turn on its own because I'm a great manager of people. 
He's saying, I spent myself to preach Jesus to you. Yeah. yeah. And again, back to our first 10 minutes in this podcast. It, that's what I, I pray we will be a part of. And so I, I would even turn yeah. it to those listening. You and I may sit here from a vantage point saying, what does it mean to spend ourselves in ministry to preach and teach Christ? Mm-hmm. I would ask, brother and sister in Christ, have you gladly spent yourself and will you spend all the more for the people in the sphere of influence God has given to you to know more of Christ than they know before they met you? Whether it's your spouse through times of maturing and asking for forgiveness and leaning into Christ together, or it's your children because you raised them up in the fear and discipline of the Lord and a spirit of humility and repentance and faith, or is it your coworker or is it yeah. your neighbor? Um, for whom would you be able to say, I have gladly spent myself for the care of your souls? It's a pretty profound convicting consideration to me absolutely and i appreciate you yeah just taking it there in application for us um yeah i mean i think that gets at the heart of of what we're all called to Mm -hmm. right is not to be about ourselves uh, but to be about them and even what what paul says when i read this before we got on here in verse at the beginning of 19 um it just it strikes me because he says, "Have you been thinking all along that we have been that we have been defending ourselves to you?" Um, and so, on the surface, yeah, like Paul has been defending himself, right? Yeah. Like he's I'm legit. Listen, he's, to he's me. doing it. <laughs> but in, at the end of that, what you just read, it says, "In the sight of God, we've been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved." And so, like on the surface, he is defending himself, but why? It's not because he feels like his image is threatened and he needs to make sure that others think well of him. Like he's defending himself because God has given him the role of apostle to this church and he's to teach them and speak to them. And so if like when he does that, it's actually for their benefit, for their upbuilding. I, just, I, I lose a lot of grammar. I've lost a lot of grammar over the years, but if I get the terms right to be speaking Christ, Christ, the objects that's being spoken. We is Paul. He's the subject Speaking is the verb. Christ is the object, um, even though that's a pre- preposition in Christ. But anyway, um, the indirect objects mm-hmm. is not himself yeah. being built up. It's them. Right. That's the point For I'm them. driving at. Yeah. Is is the motivational end to this is yeah. you. Yeah. The motivational end to this practice is not me. Right. That's what, so, what right. Paul is saying. Well, let's look at that last part, yeah. um, 20 and following, before we close up. Um, he wants to go see them. Yeah. And he says in verse 20, I fear that when I come, I might not find you as I wish and that you will not find me as you wish. Mm-hmm. That when we get together, there might be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Yeah. So picture this is the same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians. And he says, there shouldn't be any divisions among you, not pride. <laughs> and now he says, after love, love all this, this ministry, yeah. when we see each other, when we come face to face, I'm afraid it's going to be an absolute train wreck mm-hmm. of pride, of division, right. of gossip and slander, the most insidious things. And frankly, people of God, like, this is what I spend my days thinking about at Christ Community. Yeah, We are experiencing a work of God's Holy Spirit among us. The enemy wants to assault the church. There's what the assault can look like. Quarreling, right. jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Yeah, We've seen that in churches. It's what the enemy wants to happen at Christ Community. And Paul knows that it could happen when he goes back to visit these people he yeah. loves so much. Yeah. 
And then he, he adds the other side of that at the end of verse 21, right? He, I fear that I may have to mourn over many of those who've sinned earlier and have not repented. So he fears the, the unrepentant or ongoing unrepented sin. And, and then he lists all these sexual sins, these descriptions. And again, that takes us back to 1 Corinthians 5 um, as well. And so, yeah, he fears on his visit that he's just going to walk into this sin. Yeah infestation well and if he does walk into the sin infestation he says in verse 21 i fear that when i come again my god may humble me before you yeah because he would acknowledge that the fruits of his labors are not what he would expect them to be yeah and so he sought to only preach christ but he's he's aware that he would be humbled after defending his apostolic ministry after saying preaching christ is sufficient if he shows up and there's that much of a train wreck, it would humble him. And yet if we go back to all of chapter 12, what happens when he's humbled? He's made weak. Yeah. To whom does he turn in his weakness? To the Lord Jesus Christ for yeah. strength. And so you can almost see there's a circuitous pathway to all of chapter 12 here. Yeah. But the burdens are high. Um, well, I, I think we've really we've killed it. Is there any last things from you? <laughs> um. Last quick comment, just kind of a side note. Um, it, it is really interesting that, right, he mentions burden three times, which we alluded to. He mentions that earlier, I think chapter eight, um, and it's it's about financial, you know, he like you said, he was tent making, so he didn't lean upon them as a burden financially. And like, it's just so interesting that he's defending himself for not charging them. Yes. <laughs> like, like, really? You know, like that's... Yes. So... Just that's, again, that's just a side note, not what we we're talking about. But. No, and it's an amazing thing to have a brother declare, "I spent everything mm-hmm. on you," mm-hmm. and yet he's willing to say, "The Lord might still humble me," but he's also willing to say, "I'm not being prideful. I'm just acknowledging I have a legitimate stake in this." Yeah. And so, to those listening, I just want to encourage you that that if you haven't this week already or maybe as a normal sacrificial kind of ethos about you, seek to give yourself a way that someone else knows more about Jesus. And it will not, if it's of the Holy Spirit, make you more prideful if you see fruit. It would just make more of Christ. And then the Lord would position you to continue to be dependent and humble as Paul is. Yeah. But it's still the pathway that we're called to um, individually and corporately. And I think it's a great chapter to call out to us a philosophy of ministry followed by sort of the sentiment of the heart of the one who has that strength and weakness yeah. mindset. Right. And just one, one thing I'll add, um, seek those opportunities, do that, pursue that, right? Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. I will mo- most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And as you seek it, um, pray for it. Pray that God would grant that in your heart. Pray that God would grant that in the heart of our church. Pray that very verse for our leaders. Um, at Christ's community, um, that God would be doing that work within us. Amen. So. Amen. All right, until next week. Have a good one. <laughs>